0: Was found by passerbyers. Uh, engine crew was called. Did an initial attack through the the open side of the garage. Um, obviously, the fire extended into the into the inside structure. Tonight on the KRBD Evening Report, a Ketchikan woman is behind bars after allegedly setting a garage on fire near Refuge Cove. We preview Thursday's Ketchikan City Council meeting. And, for the first installment in Coast Alaska's Shelter Series, we explore liveaboards. All that and more coming up. First, let's take a look at the weather. Tonight, we've got patchy fog with rain and lows around 40 and southeast winds to 10 miles an hour. New Year's Day, we'll see widespread rain showers and scattered snow showers with little or no accumulation. Highs are in the mid-40s and south winds to 15 miles an hour. Wednesday night, we'll see scattered snow showers with lows around 30 and south winds to 10 miles an hour. Thursday, we've got rain likely with scattered snow showers, highs around 40, and south winds to 10 miles an hour. Thursday night, we'll see snow with rain likely, lows around 30, and south winds to 10 miles an hour. You're listening to the KRBD Evening Report. I'm your host, Eric Stone. A Ketchikan woman has been charged with felony arson. That's following an early Tuesday morning fire that heavily damaged her ex-boyfriend's rural home on North Tongass Highway. A sworn statement by police indicates that an Alaska state trooper may have driven her to the scene of the crime. About a dozen trucks from the North Tongass, South Tongass, and Ketchikan City Fire Departments responded to the suspected arson. From the outside, it was clear that the house's garage was severely damaged with blackened walls and holes in its roof. North Tongass Fire Chief Jerry Kiefer was on the scene coordinating the effort. It was found by passerbyers. Engine crew was called, did an initial attack through the, the open side of the garage. Um, obviously, the fire extended into the, into the inside structure. The fire slowed traffic as firefighters blocked a lane of the highway for about an hour to fight the intense flames. Uh, given the, the seriousness of the fire, the size of the fire, we did have exposures we were concerned about. Hours later, Commie Don Riley was in custody facing a felony charge of arson. Court records obtained by KRBD contain a sworn statement by a senior Alaska state trooper that sketch out a timeline leading up to the fire. And it indicates that a fellow trooper was with Riley early Tuesday morning. The homeowner told troopers that at about 2 a.m. he heard banging on his door and saw his ex-girlfriend outside with a man that he didn't know. He didn't open the door. Then he got a call from a state-issued number and a threatening voicemail. A woman's voice claimed to be with the FBI and said she was going to burn the house down. An affidavit from the officer who arrested Riley says that call came from the state-issued cell phone of state trooper Joey Bowden, But the affidavit doesn't explain why the caller had Bowden's phone or whether he had any knowledge that she was about to commit a crime. And troopers aren't commenting. But it does detail how the homeowner reported waking up later in the morning and seeing his ex-girlfriend hitchhiking away on North Tongass Highway. Minutes later, he smelled smoke from the burning carport. A motorist who picked Riley up was interviewed by troopers. He says she smelled like diesel fuel and made bizarre statements about revenge. He dropped her off in town and called police. She was arrested at a nearby bus stop. Riley told troopers that she had spent the night in her ex-boyfriend's truck before leaving in the morning. She told fire investigators she didn't have any knowledge of the fire. She's being held in the Ketchikan jail while she awaits a court hearing. As of Tuesday afternoon, Alaska state troopers haven't made any statements about the case. An agency spokesman said he'd reached out to the Ketchikan Post for more information. This is a developing story. Ketchikan's city council will return to a familiar question for its first meeting of the new year. Should the city purchase a downtown property to add about 60 harborside parking spaces? That's one of a few items on the city council's agenda for Thursday night. The owner of the shuttered Bar Harbor restaurant wants $395,000 for the property, according to a memo to the city council. But a third-party appraisal commissioned by the city valued it at just $300,000. A Juno-based engineering firm also hired by the city found lead and asbestos in the building, and officials say it would cost nearly $15,000 to dispose of hazardous materials. Works officials estimate that demolishing the former restaurant would cost another $50,000. In other business, options on reconfiguring Tongass Avenue north of downtown will be discussed by state transportation planners. The proposed project runs from the downtown tunnel near Grant Street to Peace Health Medical Center. The plan would convert the four-lane road to a three-lane road with a bike lane. It would also revise traffic light timings at intersections with Washington and Jefferson Avenues to improve pedestrian safety. But local officials questioned some of the plan's details, including the need for pedestrian islands at many of the crossings. The plan would also install pedestrian signals at the intersection between Schoenbar Road and Tongas Avenue. The City Council is expected to discuss its input into the project design at Thursday's meeting. Thursday's meeting gets underway at 7 p.m. in the Ketchikan City Council Chambers. A well-attended New Year's Eve party was held midday in the Ketchikan Public Library. As KRBD's Maria Dudzak reports, the festivities were geared towards youngsters with early bedtimes.
1: Area. There's also a photo op outside. With a bubble machine humming and music playing in the background, Anne-Marie Mersoni greeted party guests as they arrived. Most were three to six years old, but all ages attended the New Year's bash.
2: There's a time capsule you can make, and Miss Amy will take your picture with a fluoride if you'd like to do that for your time capsule. Okay? Thank you. You're welcome.
1: Children can decorate a New Year's hat, build noisemakers by stapling together paper plates filled with beans, and color. Wearing a fringed black and silver holiday dress, librarian Amy Tepfer takes snapshots of children to include in their time capsules during the last hours of 2019. And I'm taking Polaroids of the kids so they can attach and then they can open their time capsules up at some future date that they and their parents decide um, and look back on the memories from this year. So we have some fun questions for them like, who's your best friend? What was your favorite movie? Um, what are you looking forward to? So it'll be fun for them to open up in a few years. Most children had never seen a picture develop before their eyes, something that appeared to be magic. As noon approached... Tepfer asked children to gather around the library's quilted tree, donning their hats and readying themselves to welcome in the new year with their noisemakers. Balloons were dropped from the tree, and afterward, sparkling cider, fruit, and cookies were served. The event was definitely a hit, and a gentle way to welcome 2020, albeit 12 hours early. In Ketchikan, I'm Maria Dudzak.
0: Throughout southeast Alaska, many people make their homes on boats. So-called liveaboards can be motivated by a sense of adventure, a maritime occupation, or just a lack of affordable housing on land. It's not an easy life. But as part of Coast Alaska's shelter series, Ari Snyder brings us this snapshot of the fishing town Petersburg's vibrant community on the water.
3: I'm down in what most people know as Petersburg's North Harbor, But Pamela Speck, who's watering her plants outside her houseboat here, has another name for it.
2: And I jokingly call it, especially at a very low tide, this is Lower Petersburg. When you get to the top of the ramp, then you're in Upper Petersburg.
3: Speck's home is actually more house than boat. It's got a pitched tin roof, windows instead of portholes, and of course the flower pots on the stern deck, which is now essentially a porch. She bought the boat in 1993 while working at one of the canneries. She ended up staying mainly because it was so cheap compared to shoreside housing.
2: People think it's hard now, but back then, you know, you might have gotten an apartment beside Keto's, which was a dump, not saying they're dumps now, for like a thousand bucks a month or eight hundred bucks a month. And so it was just an exorbitant price.
3: Exorbitant to her, but not uncommon. A one-bedroom in Petersburg in, quote, rough shape can fetch around $850. Those words are contained in Petersburg's 2016 comprehensive plan. The plan also found that more than a third of renter households were not living in affordable housing. But back to Speck. She came to Alaska via Ohio and says she didn't expect to stay very long, much less spend more than a quarter century living in a floating house. But she says this lifestyle grew on her for a lot of reasons.
2: You know, it allowed me to pay my student loans off 10 years early. Um, It allowed me to save money and do investing. It allowed me to also be able to buy, you know, property in in Belize and build a house down there.
3: Of course, living on a boat isn't free. She still pays for utilities and mortgage fees plus a $60 per month liveaboard fee charged by the harbormaster's office. But it's still cheaper than most rentals in town. And with the savings, she can spend the cold weather months in Central America. But that makes her an outlier. Petersburg Harbor Master Glorian Wallen says the docks liveaboard community actually grows in the winter.
1: We have a few less in the summertime. We run about twenty, maybe twenty two in the summertime, and then it bumps up to maybe thirty, thirty-five in the winter.
3: Her office keeps track of liveaboards and she's not keen to see their numbers grow. That's to make sure there's enough room for commercial vessels and boats passing through. On the other hand, she says it is nice to have a stable community down on the docks.
1: Because they kind of keep an extra eye on things. So there's pretty good relationship between liveaboards and the entire community down here in the harbor.
3: Mm, you hear that percolating, people? <laughs> it's that good, good sound of percolating coffee. Yeah, hot coffee on a rainy day. One of those people keeping an eye on things is Frankie Christensen, He lives year-round on his 34-foot sailboat a few stalls down from Speck. He's a boat mechanic and has been living in North Harbor for the last three years. He says he was attracted to the freedom of life on the water, and the affordability doesn't hurt either. Well, uh, I'll put it to you this way. What a lot of people pay in one month, I pay for a year. The cabin is compact but spacious for a boat of its size, and the high ceiling allows you to stand comfortably. A big diesel-powered stove sits in the corner, keeping the place warm. Christensen says North Harbor is a neighborhood. It's a, it's a, it's a small little community. Everybody shares everything. We're always swapping food, and I have a lot of boat captains that uh, drop off fish and crab. So it's, it's a very giving community. As if on cue, Pamela Speck walks past and tells Christensen she'll take his trash up to the dumpster. She's headed that way anyway. Okay, Pamela, thank you. <laughs> See? People and nice. I, She's walking by and taking my garbage for me. <laughs> Both Christensen and Speck say they plan to eventually settle on dry land. Christensen says he'd like to build a little cabin. Speck wants to live in Belize full-time, where she spends most winters. But given Petersburg's tight housing market, it's possible that others could soon take their place. Reporting in Lower Petersburg, I'm Ari Snyder.
0: That's it for this edition of the KRBD Evening Report, our final show for 2019. You can get this show on your favorite podcast app. Just search for KRBD Evening Report. Thanks so much for listening. I've been your host, Eric Stone.